Bible here tonight, uh, turn with me to the book of Judges. We're going to look at chapters 19, 20, and 21. Uh, the Levites' concubine now, and the Benjamites. As we mentioned last week, uh, you come to Judges chapters 17 through 21. Uh, we've left Samson. He was the last judge. And now this is basically the appendix of the book. And so what's taken place uh, during the time of the judges, and it's kind of not in chronological order, uh, but the writer goes back and, and fills in the blanks. Now at this time we left last week with Micah and his private uh, Levite priest. And the Danites had settled in the area of Laish, uh, a Canaanite city. It was occupied by the Sidonians, but when they attacked Laish, the Sidonians were uh, not that strong, and the main tribe of the Sidonians was not in the vicinity, and so they were easily conquered. And so this is the northern part of Israel. It's been conquered now by the tribe of Dan, the area where the Jordan River flows from, the, from Mount Hermon. The, the Danites were farmers. And so this was very uh, fruitful land, a very fertile land, a very prosperous land. They wanted that. And so we, we saw Micah with this Levite and the worship of idols. And, and now it gets even worse. This, just to show you the depravity in Israel at this time, uh, they basically wanted a theocracy they did not want to be run by God. or They wanted to be run on their own. They needed a theocracy. A theocracy excuse me. Uh, they wanted their own will. If you're taking notes, in Judges 17 and verse 6, and in Judges 18 and verse 1, uh, this cry ran out to, through Israel. Uh, in those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right. In his own eyes. And in a sense that kind of speaks to me. Of our nation of the United States of America. We mentioned already. You go back to 1963. And we took prayer out of the school. You go back to 1964 I believe. And then the Bible's taken out of the private. The public schools. And so since then it's been downhill. And then if you look at your family structure. Uh, we see kids today, they really don't know anything about God. And yet, where is the teachings at the house? Where are the Bible readings at the house? Where are the Bible stories? And you're going to have anarchy, uh, not theocracy, if you continue uh, in this road. And that's exactly what's happening to the nation of Israel. And so here's this Levitical priest, supposedly. He's out of his jurisdiction. But now he has a concubine. And so let's begin here in Judges chapter 19. The immoral conditions that was happening. In verse 1, And it came to pass in those days, uh, when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim, and he took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. Only the pagans at this time followed this kind of ritual. This is a Levitical priest. He had no business having a concubine. And besides that, last week, uh, the gathering of idols and such. Verse 2 says, but, the, but his concubine played the harlot, 
against him and went away uh, from him to his fa- her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there for four whole months. Now, the Hebrew does not hold that she was a true harlot, but the scriptures read this way. Uh, she basically left on her own. In verse 3, uh, then her husband arose and went after her, this is the Levite, uh, to speak kindly to her and bring her back, and having a servant and a couple of donkeys with him, so she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. The Levite, hoping to appease uh, her to return, and spent time there with the family. Look at verse 4. Now the father-in-law, the young woman's father, uh, detained him, and he stayed with him for three days, so that he ate and drank and lodged there. And, And so you really don't see her as a harlot, Could it be that she was homesick? We don't know. But dad wants to keep her as long as possible. In verse 5, then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, refresh your heart with a morsel of bread and afterward you can go your way. He's going to keep playing this on. In other words, stay with me because he wants the daughter to stay there. And so they sat down, and the two of them ate and drank together. Then the young woman's father said to the man, Please be content to stay all night and let your heart to be merry. And when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him, so he lodged there again. And he arose early in the morning, the fifth day, uh, to depart. But the young woman's father said, Please refresh your heart. And so they delayed until the afternoon, and both of them did eat. Now, he's playing the, the rule of hospitality, and rightfully so. But dad doesn't want to let her go. And when the man stood to depart, he said, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, look, the day is now drawing toward the evening. Please spend uh, the night. See, the day is coming uh, to the end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow go on with your way early so that you may get you may get home and so he's playing this as far as he can however the man was not willing to spend that night so he rose up and departed and he came opposite Jabesh now Jabesh was uh, the ancient name given uh, that was Jerusalem he says with him uh, were the two saddled donkeys his concubine was also with him so he did depart And they were near Jabesh, and the day was far spent. And the servant uh, said to his master, Come, please, uh, let us turn aside into this city uh, of the Jebusites and and lodge in it. So remember, they've taken off midday, and so now it's time to lodge, and they didn't want to sleep out in the open. Notice now, uh, hospitality comes into play here, and it was very big in the Old Testament. But in verse 12, but his master said to him, we will not turn aside here into the city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go to Gibeah. Jerusalem was not Israel until the time of King David. And so they couldn't go there either. And so he said to his servant, come, let us draw near uh, to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. 
Basically, it was not that far from there. And they passed by and they went their way. And the sun went down uh, them near Gibeah, uh, which belonged to, to Benjamin. So here's where it begins to take place. And then they turned aside there to go and to lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city, for no one would take them in to his house to spend the night. It was very customary to do this. Hospitality uh, was something very uh, sacred in a sense. You did this. When you go to Israel today, you have the Bedouin tribes. And the Bedouin tribes still choose to this day uh, to live in the tents. And you'll see them as you're coming up the main highway up to Jerusalem, and you see the Bedouin tents. And you'll see the antennas coming out. You might even see a vehicle that they choose to live that way. And the Bedouins uh, practice this hospitality. Now listen to this. This hospitality was so strict that you did it even if your enemy came to your house. You took him in because of the law. You took him in because of the culture. And I like what Pastor Chuck said. Then after he left your house, then you could try to kill him. And so it's interesting. Come, eat my bread. And you treated him good. You even protected him against his own enemies. And so this is very custom at the time. And you know, I can go back in my own little history as a boy. My grandmother, uh, she would take anybody in. And she would feed them. Uh, we called them the, the tramps, the hobos. And they were constantly, we found out later that grandma's house was marked. They knew they could get a cup of coffee. They knew that they could get a burrito. And it was really great. Now, Mary's mom, grandmother, there's another part of the story. She mixed the sugar bowl and the salt bowl. And so this little hobo came. He was enjoying his meal, and he liked sugar. He put three spoonsful of salt. Never came back. But the custom of taking care of hospitality. It was a, a practice uh, in the time of the Old Testament. Still a practice today in Israel. Interesting. Look at verse 16 now. Uh, Just then an old man came in from his work in the field at evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. And so basically they were neighbors, and he was staying in Gibeah, whereas the, the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he raised his eyes, he saw that the traveler in the open square of the city, and the old man said, where are you going, and where do you come from? And he said to him, we are passing from Bethlehem to, to Judah, toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem in Judah, and now I'm going to the house of the Lord. Uh, but there is no one who will take us into the house. The old man was from Ephraim. And so now the Levite declares this, and so uh, they've touched the nerve. And so again, the, the hospitality. In verse 19, although we have both straw and fetter, uh, fodder that is, for our donkeys, and bread and wine for ourselves, or myself, he says, for your female servant, and for the young man who is with your servant, uh, there is no lack of anything. And the old man said, peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. I like that. Only do not spend the night in the open square. 
And so the opportunity was here to exercise hospitality. And the old man says, stay with me. And so he brought him into the house and gave him fodder to, uh, to the donkeys. And they washed their feet. Listen to that. Here's another cultural thing. In the time of the Old Testament, and you pick it up in John chapter 13. And Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And again, our culture, we want to shake somebody's hand. That's about it. And we want to greet you at the door. And there's no holy kiss on both cheeks. I'm not going to wash your feet. You're not going to wash my feet. And yet the customs at the time. And I'll tell you what, if you've ever washed somebody's feet, you know the humility behind it. I've taken that venture, that step of faith years ago. Gibeah's crime now. The city uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. They were sexually immoral. That was their crime. And so I want you to keep that in mind of the things that God's going to allow to take place. Pretty radical as you get into this. In verse 22 now, and as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, a perverted man, and now some of your translations say a men of Belial or children of Belial in the King James, and it says perverted men, the same wording is used in the time of Lot at Sodom, surrounded the house and they beat on the door and they spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, bring out the men who came to your house that we may know him carnally, that we may know them uh, sexually. The same Hebrew words that were used back in Genesis chapter 19. Interesting. These were homosexuals. That's what we're getting here in the text. Notice that they wanted to know this man. And listen, the same thing that Lot did in verse 23, but the man, the master of the house, went out went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. He's my guest. Notice the protection part. But look at verse 24. He says, Here's my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. And let me bring them out to you, humble them, and, and do with them as you please. But to this man, do not touch a vile thing. Do such a vile thing. The same air that Lot made. They came for the angels of the Lord. We want to know these men, they said from Sodom. And remember the whole outcome. Lot offered his own daughters. And then God blinded those guys. How could he stoop to this? But again, this is the culture at the time. Look at verse 25, but the men would not heed him. And so the man took his concubine and brought her out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. This is going to cause retaliation. And when that day day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. When her master arose in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way, there was this concubine fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. Now, there's a lot of different translation 
for the word threshold in the Old Testament. But this particular word in the Hebrew, as you came to the house, let me give you our scenario. You come to most homes, maybe, and they have a little porch area, have maybe a little greeting area. There might be a bench there. Might be a couple of chairs there. Some people like to congregate there and such. I want you to get that picture. And so here is this threshold. It was a, a small platform, about five feet high, about three feet wide. Uh, it was a bench that was used when before you entered into the house. Now, again, this bench could have easily been used to sit down and then I'll wash your feet. Or the servant of the house washes your feet. And so imagine that she's there, and you're going to see she is dead after what had taken place all night. In verse 28, and he said to her, get up and let us be going. But there was no answer, so the man lifted her onto the donkey, and the man got up and went uh, to his place. And when he entered his house, he took a knife and laid hold of his concubine, and listen to this. And divided her into 12 pieces, representing the 12 tribes, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. A piece of the body parts to the 12 tribes of Israel. Unheard of when we think of our culture. But this was the culture at the time. You're sending, obviously, a strong message. And it's going to hit home. And they're going to want to deal with it, the other tribes. In verse 30, it goes on. And so it was all who saw it, the various tribes, uh, no such deed had been done or seen from that day. And the children of Israel came up uh, from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. Now, I, I just, you know, when I read this, and I've seen this, and you look at the culture, you try to excuse it by the culture, but they've said they had not seen this since the times of being in Egypt. And so this was a pretty grotesque thing. But he wanted to get the message across, and he does. In chapter 20 now, Israel's war with the Benjamites. This would be a civil war, unheard of. I was always thinking of this when there's a civil war with uh, Israel. What about God's heart? These are God's people. And yet they have civil war. We read our history, the civil war we had destroyed many lives. And in some cases, you had family on both sides. I worked with a gentleman back in Southern California, and he would always tell us the stories. He had uncles on both sides. And it's just unbelievable that these things could happen. And so this is the children of Israel now. In verse 1, uh, Judges chapter 20, So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, as well as from the land of Gilead, and the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. Why is this happening? As we continue... Because of the depravity of man's heart. There was no king in Israel. And so sin was running just amok. Everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. 
hey, that concubine as well as it's ours too. And if we can't have him, we'll have her. I mean, this is what was going on at the time. These are God's people. They should have obviously known better. Verse 2, and the leaders of all the people of the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. They meant business. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? They want to know the truth, but they brought plenty of warriors with them. So the Levites, in verse 4, the husband of the woman who was murdered answered and said, My concubine and I went into Gibeah, uh, which belonged to the Benjamites, uh, or to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house at the night because of, of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine, and so she died. Wait a minute. They wanted him sexually. They never said they wanted to kill him. But he's trying to make himself look good. And he does not say that he offered her. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. There's the sin of homosexuality. And people say, well, that's the Old Testament, Pastor Bob. Well, you better read the book of Romans. Because God is very frank about this. The same sin that was in Sodom. It's now in Israel. Verse 7, look, all you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. And so the people arose uh, as one man, saying, none of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. So they're planning to come against this uh, very harsh. In verse 10, we will take ten men out of every hundred uh, throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred out of every thousand, and a thousand out of every ten thousand, and make provisions for the people that when they come to Gibeah and Benjamin, they may repay all the violence that they have done in Israel. And we taught in the book of Leviticus, and we taught in the book of Numbers, and an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And so they meant business in the time of the Old Testament. And so these guys want revenge. In verse 11, so all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. What have we been teaching in the book of Acts on Sunday morning? They were all together in one accord. They were in one mind, uh, one heart, one soul. And so here, uh, they're, they're doing just exactly that together as the men. One mind, you and the tribe of Benjamin. And the Benjamites, listen. They were the fighters of Israel. Uh, Paul the Apostle uh, was a Benjamite. And so it's interesting, uh, the strongholds here. I'm going to give you a little insight. The Benjamites take the victories. And how? When they were outnumbered. Sometimes 
you don't understand God. Sometimes I don't understand God. But the scriptures declare, what does he say in Isaiah 55, 8? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I mean, I've got all the answers. You've got all the answers. Lord, I wouldn't do it that way. I would do it this way. But isn't God in charge? Isn't God in control? Don't raise your hand. But how many of us have said that? Lord, this is what I would do to them. And Lord, surely I would not do it to myself. Or you wouldn't do it to me, would you, Lord? I mean, it's just our nature. Lord, I accept the trial, but don't hurt me, Lord. You know, we kind of negotiate or we kind of dictate our prayers. And that's what we're seeing here now. In verse 12, then the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin saying, what is this wickedness uh, that has occurred among you? Now, therefore, deliver up of the men, the perverted men. These are the, the men of Belial, the wicked men. And it can also speak of the homosexuality of these men, uh, perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Were they condoning it? Or they're just standing their ground because they were warriors? You're not going to take them. Wait a minute. They're perverted. They're sinful. They're homosexuals. If the judgment came uh, in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, there was a total of five cities. What about here? Why wouldn't they hand them over? Now notice verse 14. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. You know, I'm looking at this stronghold. The, these, these guys were very macho. And they held their ground. And I see today. What's taking place in our world with this people called ISIS? They brutally kill. And nobody's stepping up to the plate. And now the Jordanians are very angry with them. I mean, these people are evil. You don't behead people in front of a, a, an audience. You don't per burn people to death, uh, you know, videoing it. I mean, this, what's in your mind? This, Demonic. That's all you can say. It's demonic. Notice now in verse 15. And from there, from their cities, at that time the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000. They didn't have that much of an army. 26,000 men who drew the sword besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. The Benjamites would give up the men who committed the crime. They didn't want to do that. Among all the people were 700 uh, select men who were left-handed. Listen to this. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth. That's how much they would miss their target and not miss. They were very good warriors, fighters. They were very efficient in battle. 
they were, if I can use the phrase, many of them sling specialists. When you go to Israel, you still see that uh, where, where all the sheep are, all the lambs are at. Uh, the little shepherd boys, they still carry a sling and they're very good at it. Uh, one of our guides time past, uh, Ronnie Cohen, uh, he had a sling and he could, he could rock that thing. He was good at it. And he would let some of the pastors try it. And everybody moved out of the way because they're going to kill you. They don't know where the rock was going. These guys were good. They still are today. It wasn't too long ago I saw a special. And this guy was a slingshot specialist. And you know the forts. And then he would pull. But this guy could almost hit anything. And so practice what? Makes perfect. And so what was King David when he was a little boy? Didn't he take out Goliath? And he did it with a sling. He went and gathered the smooth stones and he took care of business. And so this is what's happening here. In verse 17, now besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. Then the children of Israel arose and went up into the house of God to inquire of God. Wait a minute. You gathered all these armies. And now you're going to inquire of the Lord? And as I went over this, aren't we just like that? We prepare everything, and then we inquire of the Lord? Shouldn't we have inquired of the Lord beforehand? I mean, this is what I see here. Notice that it says there, the children of Israel, verse 18, arose and went up into the house of God to inquire of God. And they said, which of us shall go first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And so the Lord occupies them. And he says, okay. The Lord said, Judah first. But they don't take the victory. Watch this. And so Pastor Chuck says, is this presumptuous prayer? Listen to that. Because the cause is right. Let's just do it. They presumed it in prayer. So verse 19, so the children of Israel rose in the morning and they encamped against Gibeah. I think sometimes we're all guilty of it. We make the plans, we go forward, and then we decide, we need to pray, guys. We're halfway up the mountain already. Notice now in verse 20, and the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in, in battle array to fight against them in Gibeah. And then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and on the day cut down uh, to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. Wow. The Benjamites were not that strong. God said, go ahead. They inquired in prayer after. And God lets them get wiped out. It's not over yet. <laughs> the Benjamites were triumphant, listen, over the 11 tribes. And the people, verse 22, that is, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line in the place where they had uh, put themselves in array on the first day. And the children of Israel went up and they wept uh, before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and draw near for battle against the children uh, of my brother Benjamin? 
as the Lord said, go up against him. Now the prayer's gotten a little drastic. Now they're weeping before the Lord. They were defeated. But they're going to do it again. And the marvel of the story is, God says, go. Is he teaching lessons? Again, please, study Isaiah 55, 8. I, I struggle with that verse throughout, uh, you know, the years. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. Shows me that God's in control. God's in charge. And sometimes, maybe not as drastic, but it happens in my life and it happened in your life. God said, go up against them. Verse 24, so the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day. And the Benjamites, or Benjamin, went out against uh, them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. And these drew near, drew the, and all these drew the sword. Then all the children of Israel, that is, all the people went up and, and came, came to the house of God and they wept. They sat there before the Lord, and now they add to the weeping, and they fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And so the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. Inquired of the Lord. And we're going to see that they went to Shiloh. And the Ark of the Lord, the, or Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. Radical what's happening here. In verse 28, and Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, stood before uh, it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up uh, tomorrow. Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. By this time, I would be asking a lot of questions. Lord, why? Why are we being so decisively uh, rashed? Benjamites are sweeping us. Then Israel sent men in ambush around Gibeah, and the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in battle array against Gibeah as the other times. So the children of Benjamin went out against the, the, the people, and were drawn away from the city, and they began to strike down and to kill uh, some of the people as the other times in the, the highways, and one was, was which goes up to Bethel, the house of God, and the other to Gibeah, and in the field about 30 men of Israel. Now they have a different strategy. Now they have a different plan. Did God give them this plan? They were weeping. They were inquiring. They were fasting. God could have easily spoken to them. Uh, they did the battle plan totally different. In verse 32, and the children of Benjamin said, they are defeated before us as us first. But the children of Israel said, let us flee and draw them away from the city uh, to the highways. Good strategy here. In verse 33, so all the men of Israel arose uh, from their place and, and put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar. Then Israel's men in ambush 
burst forth uh, from the position of the plains of Geba, and 10,000 select men from all Israel came against Gibeah, and in the, battle was, the battle was fierce, but the Benjamites did not know the disaster was upon them. The tide is going to turn. In verse 35, the Lord defeated. Listen to what it says. The Lord defeated uh, Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,000 100 of the Benjamites. All these drew the sword. You remember the number? They pretty much are wiped out now. These are God's people. This is the tribe of Benjamin. This is where Paul the Apostle, Saul of Tarsus, came from. In verse 36, So the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated, and the men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites. Because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. And the men in ambush quickly rushed upon Gibeah. And the men in ambush spread out and struck the whole city with the edge of the sword. And now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in ambush was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city. Whereupon the men of Israel would turn in battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and to kill about 30 of the men of Israel, uh, for they said, surely they are defeated before us as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, the Benjamites took, uh, looked behind them, and there was the whole city going up in smoke to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned back, uh, the men of Benjamin panicked, uh, for they saw that disaster had come upon them. Therefore, they turned their backs uh, before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them. And whosoever and whoever came up, uh, came out of the city, they destroyed in their midst. Now remember, these are brothers in the Lord. They surrounded the Benjamites, chased them, and easily uh, trampled them down as far as uh, the front of Gibeah, toward the east. And 18,000 men of Benjamin fell. All these were men of valor. These were warriors. These were fighting men. And they turned and they fled toward the wilderness in the rock of Rimnon. Or Rimon. And they cut down 5,000 of them on the highway. And they pursued them relentlessly up to Gibeon. Or to Gidom. And killed 2,000 of them. So all who fell of Benjamin that day were 25,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of valor, men of war. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the, the rock of Rimon. And they stayed at the rock of Rimon for four months. And the men of Israel, listen to the heart change. And the men of Israel turned back against the children of Benjamin and struck them down at the edge of the sword for every city, the men and the beasts and all who were, were found. They also set fire to all the cities and they came to. God allowed this. But they're going to, when we get into Judges 21, they have some remorse. We've wiped out a tribe. 
There was 12 of us from the sons of Jacob. They cut themselves. And, and God does punish the Benjamites. But it took for them to win some battles to think they were invincible. And then God took care of them. And I think we need to take heed uh, to think that we become somebody and I can, you know, I'm invincible and I can conquer. You better seek the Lord. And this is what is happening here now. We come to Judges chapter 21. And as I was mentioning earlier, change of heart now. They want to provide wives for the remaining 600 men of the Benjamites. They're almost annihilated. And God goes before them. Notice verse 1. Judges chapter 21. Now the men of Israel had sworn an oath uh, an oath at Mizpah, saying, none of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as wife to replenish, to grow the nation again, or the tribe of Benjamin. Then the people came to the house of God and remained there before God till evening. They lifted up their voices and they wept bitterly. Now there's much remorse, sadness of heart, over Benj the Benjamites being wiped out. In verse 3, and said, O Lord God of Israel, why has this come to pass in Israel? That day there should be one tribe missing in Israel? I love the respect here. I love the concern here. And as I was putting this together, I was thinking of our nation. What's going to be said after the rapture of the church? How many are going to know this is what they told us? This is what we've read. I bought some of their books. They were bestsellers. I read the book of Revelation. I read the book of Daniel. I never believed this would happen in my time. And now, the 70th week of Daniel will come to pass. Jacob's trouble will come to pass. The seven years of tribulation. 21 judgments are going to come. There would be uh, many people that are going to know. And so here's the remorse here. Notice verse 4. So it was in the next morning that the people rose early and they built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. They were definitely praying. And the children of Israel said, Who is it? Who is there among all the tribes of Israel who did not come up with the assembly uh, to the Lord? Uh, for they had made a great oath concerning anyone who had not come up uh, to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely uh, be put to death. And the children of Israel grieved for Benjamin, their brother. And one said, One tribe is cut off from Israel today. I mean, this hurt. This is what civil war does. There's pain. There's hurt. And now our brothers, the Benjamites, are no more. Verse 7. What shall we do for wise for these who remain? Seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not uh, give them uh, our daughters as wives. As you go through the Old Testament especially, 
there's all these promises, all these oaths, all the, I mean, they, they took it. Remember that, uh, that king that, or that judge that said, when I come out victory, whoever comes out to honor me, I will offer him to the Lord. It was his daughter. What kind of oaths are these? What kind of promises are these? Don't you think God would not honor that? You say, Lord, I said a wrong. I said an evil in that oath. These guys were staunch. They would not let go. Verse 7 again, what shall we do for wise for these who remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters as wives? And they said, what one is there from the tribe of Israel who did not come up to Mizbah uh, to the Lord? And in fact, no one had come from the camp of Jabesh, Gilead, in the assembly. Oh, they were quick to know. And it says in verse 9, because remember, they made a vow now. For when the people were counted, indeed not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh, Gilead, was there. So the congregation uh, sent their 12,000 of their most valiant men and commanded them, saying, go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh, Gilead with the sword, the edge of the sword, including the women and the children. And this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known a man intimately. So they wanted the virgins. In verse 12, so they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins. Wait a minute. There are 600 guys who had not known a man intimately. And they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, uh, which is in the land of Canaan. Uh, At this time, not in Jerusalem, but they met, the ark was dwelt in Shiloh. In verse 13, and the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin, who were at the rock of Rimon, and announced peace to them. So Benjamin came back at the time, and they gave them the woman who they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead, and yet they had not found enough for them. There were still 200 wives needed. And the people grieved for Benjamin because the Lord had made a void in the tribe of Israel. They they recognized now that God did this thing. God allowed this thing. And again, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As saith the Lord. Then the the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for the wise for these who remain, since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed? And they said, There must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin that a tribe may not be destroyed from Israel. They wanted to preserve the Benjamites. However, we cannot give them wives from our daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn an oath saying, Cursed be the one who gives a wife to Benjamin. Would God have honored them to hold back from, from that vow? What if you vowed, and, and in that vow, it has to do with your uh, wife or, or your son or your daughters? Don't you think you're going to ask, Lord, I need to you know, hold this one back? I honestly think God would. But these guys held on uh, to their vows. They were very strong. 
In verse 18 again, however, we cannot give them wives from our daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn an oath and saying, Cursed be the one who gives a wife to Benjamin. Verse 19, then they said, In fact, there is a yearly feast, listen to this, of the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, and on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and the south of Lebanon. In verse 20, therefore, they instructed the children of Israel, saying, Go, lie in wait in the vineyard, and watch, just as just when the daughters of Shiloh come out to perform their dances, uh, then come out from the vineyards, and every man uh, catch a wife for himself from the daughters of Shiloh, then go to the land of Benjamin. These guys didn't go to, you know, getawife.com. Get a date.com. <laughs> These guys had their own uh, their own plan. Notice verse 22. Then it shall be when their fathers or their brothers come to us to complain that we will say to them, be kind to them for our sakes, because we did not take a wife for any of them in the war, for it is not as though you have given the women to them at this time, making yourself Guilty of your oath. So they cover the bases. And let, let me share this with you. One of the first times I went to Israel, it was with pastors. And we were out in a remote area. And uh, Ronnie Cohen says, uh, guys, I want you to look to the left of the bus. Uh, there's a building out there. Take a look at it. And anybody have a guess what it is? Well, we didn't know. There's no windows, no signs, nothing. He says it's a pig farm. We all fell off of our chair, man. This is Israel. It's a pig farm. How can they do that? It's the first thing we ask. It's against the Levitical law. Ah, they go around the law. They built the pig farm, and then they put the corral area up. And so between where the pig, the pigs dwelt, there was a wooded platform, and then the stakes that went down, and so they never touched the land of Israel. And that's how they got around it. So I broke out the bag of chicharrones, and I said, hey, you know, let's join the crowd, right? <laughs> Forgive me, but they can get around the law. It's the same as us. We can get around the law. We're good at it. Children of Israel were good at it. And so, unbelievable, the things that these guys could do. In verse, uh, in verse 23, and the children of Benjamin did so. They took uh, enough wives for the number of, uh, from those who danced and whom they caught, and they were went and returned to their inheritance, and they rebuilt uh, the city and dwelt in them. And so the children of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his own tribe and family. Uh, they went out from there, every man to their inheritance. In those days, and let's go back to what we started with, this appendix, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
it is so sad when the depravity of man and the immoral heart of man is your body. You can do whatever you want with that body. Whose business is it? And if a man wants to marry a man, a woman wants to marry a woman, or, and we've seen this, a woman wants to marry her dog, or a man wants to marry his dog. And they do. Guy in Japan, he's a, he, he fantasized, a young kid. And, and those, those video games, one of those little princesses, he actually got married to it. Well, where did you go on your honeymoon? This is the fallacy. This is the mind of man. The time of Lot, we want those men. They're angels of the Lord. The time now of this concubine, this time of this Levite priest, I mean, how far does sin go? And listen, sooner or later, God has to judge sin. When the flood came, sin had reached, reached the nostrils of God. And he said, that's enough. Noah and his family, eight people got into the ark. Where was the rest? They estimate at that time could have e easily been populated as we see it even today. You say, oh, how can that be? Do the math. Remember the children of Israel and, and at the time of the Old Testament, they had a lot of children. They didn't have two kids. They had many kids. And God allowed them to multiply, and they did. Everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. We're told in Scripture that we're to obey the civil authorities, the civil law. Read the book of Romans chapter 13. We're also told in the Old Testament and New Testament we obey the laws of God. Now, when the laws of man are contradictory to the laws of God and His Word, I truly believe we don't have to be obedient. Good point. Uh, Moses' mom and dad, they said no. And they put Moses in the little basket, put him down the Nile. God had a plan. God had a plan. All the other ones were being killed. We learn from the Old Testament. People say, why do you study the Old Testament? Because the Old Testament is pointing to the cross. Next week, we see part of the lineage. We begin to see it in the book of, uh, of Ruth. Jesus, part of his lineage was from a Moabite. Think about that. When we go to England, you go to London, and all this blue blood. And yet they're all fornicators, adulterers, murderers. It's not about your blood. It's not about the blue blood. It's, it's about Christ. His blood is what cleanses me. His blood is what covers my sin, covers your sin. Oh, thank be to God. 
thanking David. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord, for the book of Judges, even though uh, the heinous crimes that they did, Lord. Everybody was doing that which was right in their own eyes. We see our United States of America uh, in a whole. They're doing it too. We kick God out of our schools. We kick prayer out. We kick his word out. What do we expect? And even the cross offends them. Lord, one day they're going to get what they want. I believe that the rapture of the church, the great harpazel, the great snatching away, those in Christ will be taken. And according to the Old Testament and New Testament, all hell's going to break loose on planet Earth. Twenty-one judgments are pending. Judgments that man has never incurred at all. And so, Father, we pray for our families, our friends, our loved ones, that if they don't know you, Lord, that we can share a nugget of hope uh, to them. Because we're told in the book of Romans 10, uh, 9 through 13, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all agree by saying amen.